Welcome to Freelance Sucks. Here we discuss the dark side of freelancing about which nobody usually talks out loud. In this show, we speak with experienced freelancers, and I'm sure listening to their stories helps you prepare for freelancers' challenges. My name is Yuri. I'm a community builder at Code Control and 9am.works, and my guest is Orwell McGobbins, a freelance branding designer with 12 plus years of experience creative director of Orwell Metwila Branding Agency, who is also on a mission of helping creative freelancers gain the skills and confidence they need to be great at what they do. So welcome, Orwell. Hello, thanks for having me. You told me on our LinkedIn chat that we have a lot of things to share about your challenges. So let's start (laughs) from the first question. For you, what is the most challenging part of being a freelancer? Um, realizing that you can't do it all on your own. Mm. Um, I spent years not understanding why things weren't working. Um, <laughs> and then years working out that, oh, it's because you can be, um, I can be as good a branding designer in the world, but if I can't sell myself and promote myself and reach out to people and do, do my taxes on time and pay my bills, then the rest of it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, realizing I needed to learn these skills or engage with people that could help me do these things, uh, that was the most challenging thing because it took years to realize. And still there are different ways. First of all, you can learn them uh, those skills by yourself and like, you know, become a salesperson, a marketer and like all in one thing. Mm-hmm. And another you can delegate. So what is your, what do you prefer to do? Um. I I prefer to do it on my own. Um, I have worked in small teams. Um, I have worked formally um, with like leading agencies. Um, but yeah, uh, I prefer to like do it myself because uh, as I work now, I work at my own pace. Excuse me, I have processes that I put in place that give me back my time and it just lets me um, yeah, it's quite, I'm quite methodical with that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's that's how I like to do it. So except for work itself, what is the most time-consuming thing you must deal with as a freelancer? Um, self-promotion. Hmm. Um, because there's lots and lots of different ways to do it. Um, I'm not a big fan of cold outreach. Um, I've tried... Um, uh content marketing i'm not a fan um and what i uh yeah so i find that that's the the best the the thing that would take the most time i think lots of i think i think i I believe i believe that because of how many ways i've tried that haven't worked so it's like a lot of trying and failing it's a lot of rejection and i feel there's also it kind of bleeds has bled over in the past into how you feel about the rest of your work so it kind of it's not necessarily the, the the correct answer but it feels like a much bigger thing in my head um yeah so that's that i guess would be why i felt that way and what is your current approach how it works for you right now um actually having just having conversations with people really really shifted it um so either through um getting uh, referrals or um yeah like getting people who i've worked with before to pass on um pass me on to other people or through reaching out to people through social media and just like having conversations with folk um 
those are the, the ones that I use. I've also got um, long-term clients. So people that I've worked with over a long period of time. So I don't spend a lot of time doing outreach at this point because mm-hmm. I've got I've done lots of things in the past that have led to me being in the position I am now, which is actually quite a fortunate one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not something that I spend a best a lot of time in, which allows me to play with how I'm doing it, which is why having conversations with folk. Um, and I really enjoy it because they get to focus on actually helping them um, and actually having making connection with someone rather than just being like an email in your list where you're like, that email hasn't responded. I'm giving them <laughs> two stars out of five because they won't talk to me. <laughs> and what is your approach of connecting with others? Um, serve, look to help um, and look to help without expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, because then you get the outcome like you get you no matter what you do if you help them in any way then you've done the thing that you went to do um, because if you go in there going oh i'm gonna work this person's gonna work with me and i'm gonna charge them this much and i'm gonna do this if you don't get any of those things then you it affects how you feel about yourself you feel like you've not done it good, uh, well well enough you can become quite negative in your own head Um, whereas if you stuff serve from the start, then you can, this kind of thing can lead to somebody coming back to you six months down the line, like a year, two years. Like I've had that where someone's come out of the woodwork where it's like, oh, remember this conversation we had like two years ago and um, I'm ready to do a project. I, this is what we want to do. Do you want to work with, work with us? Um, and that's, that's actually a pretty beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get it, you know, because If you are trying to sell something, people just smell it. They can yeah, yeah, feel it right away. But when you are just genuinely helping people without any expectations, usually it pays off much better. So yeah, yeah. I'm 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 on your team yeah. <laughs> in this question. I, I would I would put one caveat on that. It's like just be aware you don't do it. You don't have to do it selflessly because some people do take advantage. Mm. Um, I've also had that where people are like, oh yeah, we're totally, we're totally going to work with you. And it's like, they are there to, they're, they're, they're there to serve themselves. And if they're there to serve themselves and you're there to serve them, then you, that can lead a bad taste in your, lead a bad taste in your mouth. So be, be aware of where you're at. Be aware of, have an awareness of who you're talking to. Do your research if you can. Uh, but yeah, if you approach it with a, a feeling of serving and you'll know the right people. Um, yeah, that's a no, little, I, little caveat. I know, I know the fun, the interesting way how to deal with people who try to get advantage of like free help and all the stuff. It's called like zero dollar invoice. So if somebody asks you for something, like definitely you're helping, but if they continue doing it and for free and you create a zero dollar invoice and like, here is like my work for somebody cost, for example, $500. But for you, it's like $500 discount and like $0 invoice. You just send it as a person. And like, if like one, two times it happens, like, oh, so, you know, if you were my client, I would have charged you already like $2,000. So yeah. why don't we start working together? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's potentially also tax deductible because uh, then it's like you're doing, it's like you're donating to them like they're a charity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And what is the most nerve-consuming thing you must deal with as a freelancer? Um, 
any instance where you want something to happen and it isn't working out how you want it to work out, I would say. And most of that is to do with how you think somebody else is going to act. Hmm. So your invoice hasn't been paid and it's a day over, a couple of days over, and you want to um, you want to email them and get them to pay, but you don't want to feel pushy because they mm. have the power because, you know, you didn't plan this right and you didn't get money up front or whatever. And you're like, ah, I don't know what to do here. It's like you do you do know what to do, but like these kind of instances, you're fighting between, mm. it's like you know what to do, but you're fighting yourself about it because you're worried about the outcome. Um, so those, those kind of instances. And that's actually, your nerves are an excellent indicator. Because uh, like when I, um, in my mentoring, when people talk to me about these kinds of things, I'm like, what do you think you should do? Well, I think you should do this. Like they come and say, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, cool, so what's the situation? This is the situation. So what do you think you should do? Well, I think you should do this. So why haven't you done it? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you do know what to do. Your body's just, um, you're concerned about the outcome. So that's why I'm saying anything that you think that you you know what to do and you know what you want to happen, but you're worried it won't happen. Those are the, the biggest things. But that's just that's just life, not just in freelancing. And it sounds like, sounds uh, like a fear of being responsible about stuff and like making mistakes and making other people feel nervous. So how do you feel about making mistakes? Oh, you should make as many as possible. <laughs> Um, it, my, I actually just sent, a, my niece is three, um, and I just sent, uh, she's learning to read. So I've sent um, a load of books that'll help her learn to read. And I've also sent a book, uh, called, it's titled, um, The Little Girl Who Made Mistakes. Hmm. And wow. it is all about this little girl who goes through, she spills, she spills her glass. She, she like paints the wrong thing. She does all these, makes all these mistakes. Um, because I think I've. I have this thing in me, it's like this desire to be right. Mm. And it does not help me. <laughs> um, and actually it's what a stark thing. Uh, so, so something that bring, has brought it up a lot. Um, so my wife and I, when we have conversations, it's like, I feel the two of us both want to be right. And neither of us need to be right, but both of us want it desperately. Um, <laughs> and in those times is when we don't, we all like that's when things don't work out for us and we'll argue and this kind of thing whereas when we both like just let go just let go and just accept <laughs> that okay the mistake a mistake was made uh uh something happened like it didn't work out the way you wanted it and if you can just like accept that and just be where you are then um life is much more straightforward because you then you're then de dealing with the issue and actually, if yeah. I could just have a little tangent, please. Um, <laughs> so I read this thing about how the English language is very like, um, it's focused on, so the, the, the Orwell broke the glass. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've heard some Scandinavian languages are more like the glass broke. So Orwell broke the glass is then like, that guy, why did he do that? What's that about? Like, let's deal with the person. Whereas the glass broke is focused on, okay, the glass broke, now what? So it's more than solutions focused. So there's the really interesting um, bits of research that are done around language and about how language shapes how you think um, and how that then becomes culture. 
Um, and I think it, uh, yeah, it's an interesting threads to follow that then like fall into, well, why are people the way that they are? Why are cultures the way that they are? Um, but yeah, that was just a wee interesting, ten hopefully interesting tangent. Yes, definitely. And I, I totally agree. Different cultures, totally different approaches, totally different feelings. And, you know, in some culture, you'll be punished for breaking a glass. And in some yeah. culture, like, whatever, it's like for happiness. Yeah. So, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally depends. And uh, as a freelancer, do you ever feel this professional loneliness? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it comes across most in, so I, um, my friend and I, oh, I had my friend run a studio for, um, a couple of years and my favorite, favorite days were when we were doing, um, like branding or working on a project together and we'd get the whole team together. Everyone, no matter who they were, would get together and we'd like, connect and discuss ideas and discuss options and different avenues and all this kind of thing. And that was incredibly creative, creatively fulfilling. And mm -hmm. um, because you're making, you're working on this thing together to make this thing better. And the best ideas will often come from um, the people who aren't paid for their creativity uh, because they bring an interesting insight. Um, whereas when working on your own, um, the successes are yours um, and the failures are yours but you don't really have somebody to share it with like in my early days i talked to my parents be like i made this and they're like great <laughs> or they'd be like oh look at this thing that i did like th this is the kind of outcomes they were got and they were like all right what does that mean and i'm like <laughs> and if you have no one that you can connect with who actually uh, understands yeah uh, that can be yeah that can lead to the loneliness because it's not it's not just about having a person there but it's about that feeling of being understood and having somebody who gets it um yeah so definitely i feel the there's times that i feel the loneliness i feel like that's exactly why people love communities and connecting around some interesting topic that they are interested in like meeting like-minded people colleagues and it's fun but sometimes freelancers approach this freelancing journey as like a lonely wolf journey like oh i'm against the others yeah. and yeah. it's fun how things change if you just switch this i'm not against others we are together in this and like mm -hmm. it's a totally different approach yeah. and if your friend wanted to become a freelancer what are top three things you'd advise them to consider before doing it um I mean, when I did it, I just did it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Ju jump in, eyes shut, let's go for it. Like, just just believe. Um, no, so give, give, giving a little bit of preparation. Um, when I, so have a bit of money behind you, the whole like three months, um, three months uh, of your expenses with a little bit extra for buffer. Um, I try and help them understand that it's only when that runs out that you actually probably, it's likely that only when that runs out, you're actually going to start working. Up until that point, you're like, this freelancing stuff's great. I'm having some chats with people. Like I've designed a couple of projects, like this is easy. And then when the money starts to run out, you're like, <laughs> then you have to actually start working. Um, so yeah, 
do a little bit of preparation with as far as the finances are concerned um start the conversations before you start so you're already the wheels are already turning um and that you can have people that you can reach out to um i would also say if you're coming from uh like an agency background um let as many people know as possible mm -hmm. because if you it being in within that safety net like if people already know you and like you and they they like your work then they will it's likely that they'll be willing to work with you after the fact um and in most instances the agency that you're working with will support you they like mm -hmm. your work they've been in your situation they started a business so they've 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 been here maybe they didn't go through a freelance route but they've they've started their own business and they'll it's likely they'll want to support you yeah so let as many people know as possible so that you're you're not starting from zero got it you know orwell i really wish to have the sky is the limit but time is the limit <laughs> so the final question if you were starting freelancing today what is one thing you would have done differently um a strange answer uh but i would um work for studio first hmm. so when i first started freelancing i finished my studies and then just jumped uh, straight into freelancing i was in like quite a, a creative space surrounded by lots of people like designing and making music and this kind of thing um so i was like designing posters and designing logos and like doing lots of um interesting stuff part of photo shoots this kind of thing um and then over time people started um stopping making music and they started moving away and they started like this kind of creative bubble that we were in kind of fell apart um and then I, I worked for an agency for like 18 months but it wasn't they were very focused on uh, print which I loved I, I I learned a lot of skills there but it wasn't like a very big place and I didn't really what I feel I've missed out on is having a go-to um network or a go-to mm. group of people who are always got your back and always on your side I felt like every I've I before I was in Berlin I was in Glasgow and it feels there's lots of closed groups if you went to the art school that's a that's a good group to be part of if you've worked for certain agencies then there's lots of people that you know that will always be around you um whereas I feel like the way that I went about it I mean I wouldn't change it it's probably where I am now I love where I am now but if I was going to go back then I having that kind of uh built-in network I think would be a, a huge advantage um but yeah like I say I love where I'm at now and the the route that I've gone on while it's been up and down um has been brought a lot a lot of benefits that um, I wouldn't have had had I had that agency experience got it you know Oral thank you so much for sharing your challenges and for having such an open conversation thank you for having me it's been uh, a lot of fun <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button on five stars and share it with your friends. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.